Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Hello and welcome to My Ultimate Year. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by a very special guest here on the My Ultimate Year program. He is the only person I know, only person I know, who prophesied that Mark Bagley's art would get very porny in some very weird ways in these upcoming issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, although perhaps I should have seen it coming. That's right, it's the debut of The Black Cat. If that didn't give it away in Ultimate Spider-Man, we're talking Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Six, a, a miniseries starring the Ultimate Universe Sinister Six. And then we're going to talk Ultimate Fantastic Four issues 7 to 12, The really the introduction of Ultimate Universe Doctor Doom. This mm-hmm. is my ultimate year. The show where we go through the entire Marvel who's, Ultimate who's Universe. Who's we, Dave? You uh, you didn't actually introduce me. Did I not say I, your you, name? You just said I made a porn prediction, uh, but you didn't <laughs> say my name. <laughs> you just said I'm a guest who made a porn prediction. <laughs> that yeah. sounds about right. I'm joined by Zach Dean. Thank Zach, you. how are? Were you doing? How are you? Were you doing better before that intro? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm excited to talk about this. This was an interesting batch of comics. Um, yeah, I, I feel like something we, we've talked about this off mic a little bit, but something with Ultimate, the My Ultimate Year series versus My Marvelous Year is that with My Marvelous Year, we are pretty consistently hopping around from like creative team to creative team, right? Mm-hmm. And they give us a lot of fodder to talk about right like what are these people bringing to this story you know and sometimes we get these long long runs like claremont right but he's doing such varied things we can kind of talk about it in those regards right a lot of fodder issues too you know like legion with professor x we just talked about i don't know what that means oh come on fodder fodder issues oh god okay all right yeah no i shouldn't have to double back I mean, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, uh, pretty bad. You but could say, the, uh, the the difference with my ultimate year is like we're just going to read a hundred and hundred and fifteen issues or whatever of Bagley and Bendis on Amazing yeah, Spider Man. Right. So you know we we do have to kind of we get down on story more because I kind of think that more or less we've kind of said all we have to say about Bendis and Bagley on Ultimate Spider Man <laughs> like as a creative team. Yeah, there's I mean, definitely the, the, a danger of repeating ourselves. You know, I'm really I mean, like I, I was. I have. So one thing I observed in uh, in this reread on USM is Bendis loves using uh, double page splashes, and I had mm-hmm. never realized how early in his superhero career that started. I may have talked about this before <laughs> on my Ultimate Year. Mm-hmm. It's extremely possible because that's I mean, something how many that always sticks in my head. The... The faces, Bagley's faces. Well, right. Like, obviously, something like that we've had in-depth conversations on. But I just, with Bendis on the double-page splash, he clearly scripts it in often. Mm -hmm. And the reason it stands out to me so much is because I'm so frequently reading his comics digitally Mm -hmm. that it it always annoys the heck out of me. Because you have to zoom in. Because you have to turn the the tablet or you have to zoom in. Um, So it's like this weird quirk in the reading process that never would have crossed your mind in in 2003, 2004, probably. Not that digital wasn't. I mean, it wasn't 
probably maybe in your back of your mind for some creators, right? The ones ahead of the game. Yeah. Oh, Anywho. of course not. Yeah. Well, so I think like I think it's a double edged sword going so consistently on some of these creative teams and like covering them mm-hmm. so thoroughly. Because on one hand, we do have the risk of repeating ourselves or running out of yeah. stuff to talk about. But I think you know we're we're sticking fine talking. About I don't think we're going to run out uh, because the the universe universe progressions like what's happening in the continuity exactly but i i think so that that's the danger i think the positive side of this is that i think sometimes we stick with a creative team for so long that i really do get to kind of like you spend enough time with them you really start to see their patterns and their tropes and we get to talk about them at depth like i feel like we had a good bagley conversation in episode like four or five and i kind of Mm -hmm. felt like all right well that was it we never need to talk about that aspect of his heart again but it took a while Mm -hmm. because uh like i'm kind of a dum-dum so it takes me a while to figure out you know exactly my issues with mark millar millar um i'm just gonna call mylar (laughs) mark mylar yeah i think that's good um (laughs) you know and like but i'm glad i had six episodes of talking about him because i think the last episode i really kind of nailed down what about his writing you know works and irks me Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Uh, no, I hear that, and yeah. no, no Mark in these issues. Yeah, is this, this the is first Mark-free episode? episode? Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, because yeah, his so. Ultimate X Men wrapped up in in My Ultimate Year Seven that we just mm-hmm. uh, published. We'll have a little bit more around. Yeah. So uh, one quick call out here before we do get into the comics today. Um, My Ultimate Year is brought to you by uh, supporters on Patreon for yes. the My Marvelous Year, which is our our co-podcast where we go through all of the Earth 616 Marvel year from Origins to today. Uh, you can find that at patreon.com slash year. And if you are so inclined to support, you can get cool benefits like access to both the My Marvelous Year and My Ultimate Year spreadsheets for all the issues we'll be reading. Otherwise, all issues are included in episode show notes. Uh, and you can also potentially, at a certain tier, get access to the My Marvelous Year and My Ultimate Year uh, exclusive Slack community where all mm-hmm. the club members... Uh, talk about the issues and talk about comics and all sorts of other things. It's a super fun, uh, really nice community yeah. that we have built up, and it is probably my favorite thing about doing this show. So Agreed. check that oh, out at patreon.com slash year. At the uh, at the $5 level, you get uh, early access to My Ultimate Year. So if you're listening to this on our public feed, this is episode 8. Uh, episode 14 also drops on the same day on the... Um, on the Patreon feed, so you get six months early. So if you're uh, if you're itching for more My Ultimate Year, uh, you've got six more episodes waiting for you on Patreon. There you go. All right, so let's get into. We're going yes, to please. do Ultimate Spider-Man number forty-six, then Ultimate Six number one to seven, then back to Ultimate Spider-Man forty-seven mm-hmm. through fifty-three. It should say. Let me update. Oh, I can't update. You have you have I already did. Of this one. I fixed it. Um. Okay. Great. Yep. So Ultimate. 46, obviously written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mark Bagley, inks by Art Tibbert, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. This is a one-off standalone issue, uh, which is a focusing from the POV of S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Sharon Carter. Now, Sharon Carter, we may have given a little background in the past, but she is in Earth-616, known as Agent 13. She is the on-again, off-again girlfriend and romantic interest of Steve Rogers, Captain America. She is also, I believe, the niece of Peggy Carter, who in comics is not nearly as the love of his life as um, as she is in the MCU. But, of course, Peggy Carter played by, oh, what is it, uh, Haley Atwell? Is that the, yeah. uh, the actress's mm-hmm. name? Uh, yeah, she is, she's obviously become a pretty big deal in the MCU, even getting her own spinoff series. So that's that's Sharon Carter. She is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent here. And this episode, or this issue essentially sets up um, the return of Dr. Octopus 
and the eventual escape from a shield uh, containment facility of Sandman. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a flashback to when Peter Parker was fighting Craven the Hunter, right? Was it? It was because he mm-hmm. was fighting like Craven the Hunter, and then Doctor Octopus was broken out. I I don't remember the details. So but Doc like... Ock is in a shield containment. He's in a a prison, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he is doing the thing that actually we kind of just read an issue like this during the John Byrne era Fantastic Four, where he pretends to be getting better, mm-hmm. right? And he doesn't yeah. have his arms, and he's just like he's just this sad kind of feeble, you know, old genius. And uh, he oh, continues. Uh, I'm sorry, he's way too muscular that. for you to call him old and feeble. He's very muscular in this series. He's very muscular, like everywhere from yeah. 19 like 85 on but mm-hmm. uh but he's still kind of got the belly going and and the, i think the haircut alone no, just makes here. you think like he must be yeah. more feeble than no they they try to cool up doc mm-hmm. ock a little yeah. bit right like he's so not cool i, I prefer not cool doc ock for sure i mean i, I think know. that works yeah. a lot better for the character but either way he's playing up like a certain feebleness of of mind like he's just saying i'm not a criminal look at me i'm just a sad little man kind of thing and he plays that up long enough that eventually some doctors are like oh yeah we really used to dig your work uh, let's go look at your arms and you know oh, you're mix you're mixing all this up that's all an ultimate that's like ultimate six number two or something well sure this, i mean this it's is all just building a, to one yeah, yeah. this is just a flashback where he fights dr octopus and puts him in jail like puts him knocks him out he goes in the shield containment unit you know and it's, it's really one big story zach well so, I, we should talk the about this day i know i know <laughs> this issue introduces Sandman. That's the big thing. Is like Sandman breaks out, and the idea is that um, Carter, Agent Carter, I can't remember which one. You just said it. Hey, Agent Carter, tell me Sharon where Carter. you been? Where you been? I don't get it. What is? What are you doing? <laughs> did you just? Did you just write that? <laughs> that was a little, uh, little Lil Wayne for oh. you, Mr. Carter. Okay. I'm yeah, not going to keep going. Quit looking at minute, me. Fifteen minutes of silence <laughs> while I stare at Dave. Um, <laughs> She's talking about, like, this is all through her point of view. She's being interviewed by S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, a, you know, she's being debriefed about this. And the the real crux of all this is that S.H.I.E.L.D. is containing all of these genetically manipulated people like Dr. Octopus, Sandman. They now have, yeah. uh, no, those two. And they created Sandman, right? Like, they, it looks like S.H.I.E.L.D. is the one, like, Sandman is a, uh, a creation gone wrong. Mm-hmm. In spite, you know, there's a big fight. Spider-Man stops him. Um, the... <laughs> The, the only thing that really stands out to me with this is that Sharon Carter is uh, real bloodthirsty for these <laughs> these people, including yeah. like some people that S.H.I.E.L.D. created themselves, like who S.H.I.E.L.D. experimented on. Like she calls them creatures and she's just like, these horrors, instead of destroying them, you keep poking them with sticks with seeing what happened. It's all going to come back and it's not going to be good, okay? I'm saying this Doc Ock, Sandman, destroy them. And it's just like, I mean... They, they are humans. they are sentient they're yeah, <laughs> right humans. these yeah. are humans with like faces Sharon like you can't what do you mean destroy them like she's talking about them like they're animals you know yeah. like they're genetically well there is a big there's definitely a big um uh, shield as kind of the dark m- mirror or metaphor of like what what we might think of the CIA you know mm-hmm. kind of these dark oh, experiments for sure. there's there's a very especially uh, in Secret a very Six, specific yeah. angle taken towards shield being behind a lot of the really negative developments mm-hmm. in in the Marvel Ultimate Universe, right? So, like, they're constantly trying to get the Captain America Super Soldier Serum perfected again. You know, we saw that in Ultimates, and obviously that's a big part of what drives Bruce Banner to cause all the devastation that he does as the Hulk. Um, and then it's the same thing here with Spider-Man's, you know, rogues gallery, where it's like this arms race 
that shield is a part of and just they just keep getting it wrong and they keep trying to cover it up and it keeps getting worse and worse essentially so there's there's definitely not a like shield's a huge part of this and they're I guess heroic in the sense that, you know, Nick Fury founds the Ultimates and they're thoroughly integrated into the development of Spider-Man. Uh, but at the same time, they're also responsible for so many more visible mistakes. Yeah. I, I So this is something we'll, we'll, we can let's move into Ultimate 6. Throughout this thing, the, the large thematic thing going on through here is that like, right, S.H.I.E.L.D. is responsible for the creation of Norman Osborn, right? Because like Norman Osborn was like a, a contractor working for shield trying to replicate the oz or he, when he made oz he was trying to replicate the super soldier ser- serum for the yeah. government so doc ock is also that because he also is ozzed up spider-man as well right like sandman is specifically created by shield and it's just this like nick fury specifically has this real obsession with like the next war is going to be a genetic war and we need to you know be pre- be prepared for it right mm-hmm. um nick fury comes across as awful in this right i i i felt for a while i was frustrated by this comic for a couple issues in that i felt like it was trying to do the like you know well this is a bunch of hard men making hard choices and you know like it's that jack bauer 24 like i'm sorry that they're stomping on your civil liberties but you know someone's got to keep you safe behind the scenes like that kind of thing and then i think it it Cut, undercuts that a little bit by having the president of the United States just like uh, humiliate and scream at Nick Fury for like four pages, right? And like telling him. Well, and it's also I think that specific sequence is actually a little um, almost surprising given the way the the president and like U.S. leadership has been depicted in these comics to date, like literally right. licking Magneto's boots. Whereas and here, it's actually it a been... presidential position of power to talk to dress down. Nick Fury. Yes. Um, and, and it does, I think the comic is very much anymore. rightly so. That's, that's oh, and it's definitely not drawn like, like George W. You don't Even see though his he's face. still, you know, this face. is 2003, 2004. Yes. 2003. He's still president. Yeah. But we've, yeah, we've they, moved they away from do, that literal translation. Which is good. Because that was just kind of like, you know, he's just, he, the president was not even really a player. <laughs> you know, he was like just, uh, just going along with whatever Nick Fury wanted to do. But here yeah. he's like, you screwed up. I need to deal with your baggage because Norman Osborn is loose. He's wreaking havoc. He's going to reveal the fact that you have these hidden, like, secret prisons, these concentration camps for genetic, you know, like you are, the shield is imprisoning and experimenting on. And like, oftentimes cruelly, like we see it multiple times that the guards are like very cruel to these people. And it's kind of strange, like, they draw a really direct line between this and the way that um, Stryker was holding the mutants in Ultimate yeah. X-Men earlier. Like, they're literally right. in the same exact look. At, like, it's the same containment facilities. Like They're they're it, in a Weapon X facility. They're just not mutants. Right, exactly. Know? And we, so, we like, sort of expect this for Doc Ock and Green Goblin because we know they're, quote-unquote, the bad guys, right? Like, there's no... There's not a ton of empathy expended towards these characters. But there's a... I think Bendis actually does a pretty good job with the storytelling to make it clear, like... Yes, but this is still a secret prison where they have no rights and are mistreated. And like, and like Craven. So, like, Craven comes back. He has played with his genetic makeup to, like, turn himself into, be able to, like, turn into kind of a, a big, strong animal, right? And they Do arrest- you like Craven turning into an actual lion? I mean, he did nothing here. He was pretty boring, so no. I don't know. I'm, I'm ambivalent about this. I also don't have, like, big feelings about Craven in my heart. 
So that's because you haven't read Craven's Last Hunt yet. I have not. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, yeah. So like he does this. He doesn't even do anything with these powers yet, right? Like he didn't break a law. He hasn't done anything. And Shield comes and arrests him and shuts down the camera crew, and then just like detains. Well, he him tried to in- kill Spider Man on live TV. I feel like there's there's an argument well, to be made. But that was in the past, right? And he already like I think he was already punished for that. But this is like he's on TV and they come and say like you're the the ultimate show up to arrest him because he has like yeah. played with his genetic makeup and it's like all right well you played with your genetic makeup you lose all your rights and now you are going to be like held indefinitely in a secret prison and maybe we'll right. we make well, maybe we'll make you work for us and like fight for us you know yeah Nick Fury's kind of pitching um a Suicide Squad here actually sure. is the yeah. way so the yeah. so the thing about Ultimate Six is it's more of an ultimate story than it totally, is a Spider-Man yeah. story, which I think I had kind of forgotten mm-hmm. because it's it's Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Um, I do think that's one thing I actually like about the ultimate universe is they take traditional X-Men and Spider-Man villains, but they make them the, they integrate them into the territory of the ultimates as the mm-hmm. police force, the yeah. world police that actually have to deal with them when they really get out of line. Which I think makes sense. There's a certain, like, you know, the Ultimates doing realism that can be kind of corny. I think that aspect mm-hmm. is actually like, no, that that makes sense. Like, these yeah. are Ultimate-sized problems. Um, it's weird that the Avengers would just let the X-Men deal with Magneto every time in mm-hmm. Earth-616. Right. Even right. though that's, obviously, they fight him, you know, various times. But anyway, so it's it's way more of an Ultimate story. And when Nick Fury's kind of telling the the team about this secret prison he has he's pitching it as a suicide squad development program mm-hmm. like that's Cap- clearly where Captain he's moving america shows some kind of resistance to this idea i you yeah. know like i i overall i landed on like okay i think the comic has some self-awareness about like you're playing a dangerous game here nick fury right like yeah you, you right. might be you know like it it's paying some lip service to the idea of like hey this war that you're preparing for you might just be the one instigating it right like you are creating yeah. the war by by preparing for it. You are creating the circumstances under which this war is going to happen. Right. I will be interested to see if this gets explored further. I feel like it could have. I feel like it doesn't quite want to damn Nick Fury enough for how it is portraying him. Right. Like yeah. the, the thing is also like in the context of the time. This is two thousand three, so probably the country was a lot more like, yeah, man, secret prisons just got something we got to do. But like. A few years after this. Early days of the Iraq War, right? Right, exactly. I mean, this it was 2006 where George W. Bush came out and admitted that the CIA has, like, black sites in secret prisons, right? And, like, it is 2020. We still have Guantanamo Bay. Not that many people are held there, but there are still people held there. So, like, Mm -hmm. all this really... I mean, I feel like it would have soured at the time, you know, if you had... uh, I don't know if you were anti the U.S. just imprisoning people because they said they need to be imprisoned, but like it really sits sour now. And I appreciate that like the comic does definitely address this as not like oh it's just a hard choice that needs to be made. Like it definitely ha- puts some yeah. Like, oh, and this, I mean you're this is you're taking mistake. it seriously, which I appreciate. But there's also a tried and true superhero trope of these special supervillain type prisons that gets used over and over. Like, if you watch The Flash on CW, mm-hmm. they just no, lock up everyone Flash. without yeah. a trial, and it's and it's never taken with almost any seriousness at all. It's, it's just kind the of, thing that they do. It's kind of that thing I keep talking about, where, like, if you leave it in the realm of the silly and superhero, then I'm fine, but this is clearly drawing some parallels, right? Like Ultimate Universe this, doesn't do silly too often. No, it's a little bit, but it's generally not in that realm. 
Right. So it's kind of like you, you're drawing the, you know, if, if they want to draw the comparisons and they want to kind of use the like thematic real world power of these elements to make their yeah. things seem more significant, then I kind of feel like they should live with the critiques of like, well, you're not taking it seriously enough, right? That I mean, it's the like idea of like Arkham Asylum. If you leave it as just this kind of like 70s version of like, yeah, a bunch, it's a madhouse with like clowns and the Riddler and Poison Ivy and all these like big silly heroes. Okay, like I don't really have a problem with that. You start uh-huh. talking about it like it is, you know, like start drawing comparisons between that and the massive abuses and actual like mental health facilities, you know, asylums pre-80s. Right. Yeah. And you start drawing like comparisons between that and the carceral state. If you want to like play in those waters, well, then you have to take it seriously. And, you know, and I'm going to critique it on that level. So that that's it. But I, I do think like I, I ended up coming around on this, at least on that level. Right. On like kind of a more. I think it's level. intentional and it's it's done with some level of care. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a mess. I wouldn't. No, say no, I don't think so. I, I, in the end, I ended up coming around. I'm like, all right, this is kind of discussing this with some self awareness. I just wish. I think my only wish is that Nick Fury seemed like the rest of the world saw him as being as much of a monster as he kind of is in here. Like, ooh, boy, the moment where like Hank Pym is back here and uh, and Janet there's, is talking. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Janet's talking to the crew about how, like, she bemoans that Dr. Octopus clearly has, like, lost his mind. She's like, man, I wrote one of my doctorates based on this man's work. And Nick Fury says, speaking of your taste in men, uh, Dr. Hank Pym will be joining us. <laughs> and it's just like, cheat, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah. this isn't even, like, the uh, the mainline Avengers where, you know, like, he lashed out at her in a moment of fury. This was like, he tried to kill her, right? Like, it is. Yeah nasty and brutal in this universe like hank pym is a like serial offender in this he is a serial abuser it's really nasty and you know and nick fury makes like a joke about it like speaking of your taste in men and then well, later they're trying like, to they're trying to show like jan moving on beyond it which is good but they should not have to work together <laughs> they should not well, of course have that's to insane. be colleagues well, in the same room I mean, especially when it is coming from Nick Fury saying, uh, Nick Fury is the one saying like, yeah, I know there's a lot of history here, but I hope we can all be professionals and you can work with the, uh, you know, your abusive ex-husband. Janet. A lot of history like, is a, a heck of a, a euphemism for what yeah, we actually yeah, that, saw happen in Ultimates. The other thing I want to say with Nick Fury is there there is this constant struggle in the Ultimate Universe between, oh man, he's a badass, and yeah. he does awful things all the time. It's kind of, it actually makes me think a lot of not Earth 616 Nick Fury, but of Amanda Waller and Suicide Squad in the DC universe, where it's like this person makes the hard choices, right? Mm -hmm. They make the tough calls, but they also seem monstrous and can occasionally do these things that make you really question why you've been rooting for them (laughs) or why Mm -hmm. you think they're cool, which I think is a really good character to have in your world i think it's it's particularly challenging with nick fury because we sort of have this like i don't know this like yeah uh, i love samuel jackson like Mm. feel towards towards the character even though his actual actions um telling peter parker i own you when he's a a scared 15 year old kid after a traumatic experience everything happening in these issues like he's the actual stuff he's doing generally is not easy is, is to ethically support. very fraught yeah i that's what i'm yeah. saying like i i like the you know i mean i 100 percent do not get behind the you know the concept of like inclusion of this stuff is endorsement of it right like i want i like the idea that nick fury is like supposedly the team 
leader of like a bunch of heroes and this government hero, etc. And also, no, he's actually ethically a monster, right? Like, I think I it's like a better the, version of the character. Yeah, I, I, I like all that. Like, I think that's really interesting. This, this I, shield on this level, right? To have him running the world police and to be compromising and to be making yeah. all sorts of executive decisions that are deeply, deeply ethically compromised, but things he judged to be in the best interest of the world, that's a better character than, like, oh, no, like, I'm <laughs> I'm so far above that in the Ultimates. We always play by the rule book, and things mm-hmm. always go our way. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is, that's what the Ultimate Universe is trying to do. Again, this is the post-9-11 now ult- or Marvel Universe where it's like, this world is is messy, and things are dark and grim, and how do you respond to that? So having characters that actually reflect that... I do think is is to the kind of universe's benefit, even if, yeah, like you're I, saying, it's it's not a tacit it, it's, endorsement. It still of the doesn't behavior. take the kids' gloves off, though. I feel like it really well, it's still, refrains... it's still ultimate Marvel comics. No, no, I'm know. saying like with its indictment of Nick Fury, I feel like it really doesn't want you to. This isn't an indictment story, him. right? Exactly, and it should be. This is I think it should story. be. I think it really yeah. clearly should be given the the ethics of the story. I think like. There really should be more clear-cut, like, you should walk away being like, wow, Nick Fury, this is really a problem. Like, this is going to come back and bite him. Instead of kind of this, like, ooh, it poses some interesting moral questions, but, like, ultimately <laughs> we're all, you know, striving for the same thing. I, I, I just, wor- you know, um, what am I thinking of? Um, I don't know. Like, I think there's, oh, like, we're watching Deadwood right now. Al Swearingen does some horrifying things on that show, right? Sure. Like, he's a a bad man he says some (laughs) recurringly horrifying things oh no i mean he is regularly like racist and abusive and misogynistic right like yeah that does not mean he is not like a character that i can't watch but the show does not you know like shy away from making you be like wow that like he is incredibly upsettingly you know like racist and violent and etc right like yeah i feel like that show's not rubbing your face in it like hey hey, it's fun we're winking at it it is doing it to be like yeah, no, this is the man, right? Like, this is... He is uh, a... He, I, I guess the challenge I have with that is, like, the show definitely wants... The, the show knows there's an electricity to that character. Oh, for sure. That no, I, I'm celebrating. Just, like, like, there's... You can't... You kind of are having your cake no, and eating it, too. I think I, I think so, but, like, there, there's moments where, like, I like Swearingen, and then he turns, and just because he's angry, he throws a really anti-Semitic statement at the Jewish character, like a really nasty... Yeah. Anti- and it's supposed to make your skin crawl, and I think the show is not... Re- it's not going for a laugh yeah. line. It's, you know, I think it is brave enough to say, like, yeah, like, you are interested in this character, and, yeah, you find him cal- compelling, but also, you know, sure. there's this side of him that we are not shying away from. I think this sure. could deal with a little bit more of that. I mean, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a superhero comic. Uh, and, you know, it's also the issue period with superhero comics where, like, well, you don't want to break all the toys for the next person, right? So, like, I get that. You know, it just... Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, though, to that point, like, again, I don't want to say it's a superhero comic as this blanket defense because if mm-hmm. we're going to... Again, it's like we're going to talk about him in depth. Then let's give them the... Let, let's set the expectation that they can be greater yeah. and yeah, yeah. let's try to hold them to that standard. Again, I do think the the purpose of Ultimate Six, it is not... If this was a seven-issue Ultimate Nick Fury story mm-hmm. and yeah. this was the premise and it did all the things you're saying and that was the point, then I would say, like, yeah, I do think you're right. In this case, Ultimate Six, that's like a subplot. You know what oh, I mean? Really? Like, to, like to what me, you're digging into... Uh, that, that feels like the main thrust of this whole thing no it's clearly the thing that got your attention the most but i mean like the the thing that this series is really doing is saying hey check out spider-man sinister six like that's that's what it's tapping into 
is doing the big let's get the Sinister Six together story and let's have them fight Spider-Man and the Ultimates on the White House lawn of all places. You know what I mean? So yeah, like the lo- thing that you honed in on. on the White House lawn in the Ultimate Oh my universe. gosh, it's clearly was very available during this era. <laughs> like <laughs> they didn't have the fences up yet to keep out those uh, those scary protesters. Um, but right now, like this story is saying, how do we get Spider-Man's rogues gallery together? How do we bring Green Goblin, um, Electro, uh, Sandman, Doc Ock, who am I missing? There's, no, there's just five of them. That's one of the things is like... <laughs> oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> <It's>, well, <laughs> that's right. Okay, because, I mean... because Norman is saying, no, there will be a sixth. It's my boy. And we think, oh, he's bringing Harry into the fray. And then eventually he reveals, yeah. no, my son is Peter Parker. So, th- yeah, let, let's move past, I guess, the like the thematic you know, ties to uh, secret prisons. <laughs> uh, and the actual storyline here with like the Sinister... Or the sinister six the uh the secrets secret six what the hell are these guys called no that that's a dc book written by gail simone which is excellent love yes, me some secret yes. six uh yeah, this is ultimate six, six. yeah who's actually I, missing? I mean is at it, no point do they call Vulture, themselves that because it would Vulture be or hack. mysterio who's normally on the sinister sticks who's missing well vulture and mysterio are on the original um okay, oh craven's yeah. here too craven's yeah. here too that's the fifth i didn't name okay but um yeah so the the um i i do have to give a shout out here too to electro is kind of our like I don't know, like bird's eye view, like um, ca- like just common man character who's in here mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the prison. He at one point is yells at Sharon Carter, like you know, show us your boobs, like from prison, and she starts to do it. Like she actually undoes a few buttons and then turns to him and gives a glaring psych, which is oh, such so, so a bad joke. <laughs> like that whole sequence is so bad. But anyway, that's, yeah, I don't that's know basically Electra's contribution here. Yeah, um, the, weirdly, like, Electro uh, Electro has a little bit to do here. Craven's really the one, like, once he joins the team, he has... And Sandman has nothing really to do except, like, when they fight, he's muscle. But, like, Sandman's very yeah. anonymous. Um, let's talk about yeah, the art for sure. real quick. It is... We, we get a little Joe Quesada. Um, Quesada? At the, the very beginning. Quesada. Yeah, Quesada. We get him doing the intro to Ultimate 6 number 1, which I think is very good. I like his art a lot. But it's only for, like five pages or something and then yeah, he's the editor-in-chief from... at marvel at this time too oh really oh yeah yeah, yeah. i knew that um well good artist huh. that's that's interesting oh um, yeah definitely but pencils pencils by trevor hairscene hair sign and uh and inks by danny mickey mikey uh-huh mickey uh-huh um and uh <laughs> any, think... any, any other possible pronunciations <laughs> M- it's m-i-k-i i'm not i don't M-I-K-A-C-Y. know m-i-k-a-c-y yeah I, I say danny mickey i don't know if that's 100 percent. colors by dave stewart Letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Let me hit hit me, Zach, with those Trevor Hare signed feels because I guarantee you didn't like this art. <laughs> That's no, I really liked it. No, I really. Liked it. Yeah, yeah. So no my, kidding. I think he uh, he comes across, and this is probably a rude thing to say. He comes across as a slightly like. Poor man's Brian Hitch. Uh, uh, I don't think that's super unfair because it, it, I, I, like he's being a poor man's really Brian Hitch working. is being a really good artist. Yes, right? no, I think so, this is all really good. Um, and he does one thing that it, he's not as detailed as Brian Hitch, but also Brian Hitch would take months to put these out because he puts so much detail. But I think it's good. I think uh, I actually I really saw. Can I can like I the, uh, double back on that? I actually yeah, saw Brian Hitch just tweeting like like late June 2020, just tweeting that he felt until recently. The energy and the effort he put into Ultimates was the best work of his career. And hmm. that only recently did he feel like he was getting some of that energy back. That's wild. That's really like that's really interesting to me that he he felt the energy because everyone I think most people would agree, like Ultimates is this moment. 
right? Yeah, it's a sure. moment in superhero comics, whether you love the story or not. And Hitch's art is like this the enormous piece of it that shapes superhero comics. And that only like 20 years later is he like, oh, I think I'm getting back there. <laughs> That's wild. Because well, he's, well, he's um, doing so, so, the Batman's grave right now, right? Is that what he's talking about? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, no, I, I like this a lot. Um, I don't mean that to sound insulting. I'm saying like, he definitely looks like he's working in the like it looks you could mistake this for Brian Hitch's work pretty easily, I think. Okay. It just is not quite so uh I don't know, so detailed. That's really all it comes down to. But the he does thing want- I struggled with 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 hair signs art here, and so he's the um he's the artist on DC East with Tom Taylor here again oh, okay. uh in, in current day, which is an extremely popular and frankly way better than it has any right to be comic. Um he does good work, absolutely. The issue I took was his his character his character design his character work his is faces, very oh, wow. look uh, inconsistent who's, look who's screaming about faces now screaming <laughs> yeah. Scream. listen no to I, I was gonna say listener. so like no he, I, his peter parker doesn't look like peter parker to me no okay very simplistic but it doesn't and oftentimes i'm like is that is that norman osborne is that did you uh, see like what Doc i posted Ock? on I can't slack because i posted a no. page I posted a page that actually has, it's five panels, and Norman uh-huh. Osborn is in the center having a conversation from a different angle towards his face every time. I posted uh-huh. on Slack and said, these are four different men, because, like, every angle yeah. of his face looks like yeah. a different person. And also, I, that like, was, that was tell, the same thing tell me the difference on, yeah. between Norman Osborn, Sandman, and Flint Marco, right? The only reason I can tell apart um, Craven is because he has a different hairline, and the only reason I can tell apart... Um, uh, well, and that was the Doc benefit Ock of Norman Osborn's has... insane hair. Throughout yeah, he doesn't have the hair here. He's a very, he's a very anonymous <laughs> looking person. Yeah, you totally would know who he is. Whereas when he's just cool businessman Norman yeah. Osborn, you don't know. Um, that was I... probably the only time I missed the Bagley style. I thought otherwise it was a pretty nice change of pace. I also love uh, the John Cassidy covers to these. Oh to these yeah, books. those are great. Um, yes, they're really they look, simple. They're really my clean. favorite covers in the Ultimate Universe so far. I think pretty easily. Uh, yeah, Cassidy is one of my favorite artists from this time period and uh this uh these covers are quite good so yeah, all right the, let's get let's get to the end of this um what couple, how's I mean, ultimate the, the six moment, resolve? yeah so they they all these villains are like being held by held by shield doc ock i i really like this moment doc ock decides like hey you know i've reformed i want to help you you know and like you said they lead him with a bunch of doctors in to see his arms and this is a great sequence in a page turn where like it's slowly zooming in on dr octopus's face while he's like I'm a man of science, but, you know, there's something else going on with me in these arms. I feel like I have this connection to them, as silly as that sounds. It's a mental connection, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, zooming in closer on his face. And then you get a page turn. I don't know if it's a double splash or just a splash page of Dr. Ock's arms are there, splayed out in, like, four directions, like, in a big X. And they have, like, impaled the four doctors in the room. Like, while he's sitting there talking, his arms have been wreaking havoc off screen. Yeah, very really... much reminded me of uh, the the second Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Well, movie, except that you don't see the chaos. The that's that's what I loved how like restrained that was about you know like he's just having this con- and you you feel like he's having this confessional moment to all these doctors and secretly off panel he is like murdering them all. Um, yeah, but like you kn- you knew that was coming. I didn't right? know that was coming. I didn't know what you was didn't happening. Know. Yeah. yeah, I mean I've yeah. read this before. You and I didn't know. Fool. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you simple fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um that that's great. You know another aspect of this I like as the Ultimate yeah. Six is getting together. So Norman's like, Give me my boy, right? So mm-hmm. we gotta get Peter into the fray. And I, I do like so he's telling him like, Hey, uh, I created you. Actually, like Otto and I, he gives Otto a little shout. Otto mm. and I, we created you. We're your dads. I actually like he, he specifically We're your says, dads. We're, yeah, he's yeah. like, We're your two dads. <laughs> I actually really like that um that relationship. And that the mm-hmm. idea of that relationship, yeah. obviously, it's all in Norman's head. 
um, that existing in the Ultimate Universe. It's not like a thing you desperately need in Spider-Man's legacy and life, but just sort of integrating the the depths of connection between these characters. Because in Earth 616, it's always just like Norman wishes Peter was his son because he views Harry as a failure, failure and Peter's this, you know, powerful, smart, brilliant, like, rival that he wishes. Whereas here, he's like, I had a hand in your your creation. I had a hand in your making. It just gives, like, the, him having that sense of ownership to Peter, I think, ties them together in a way that you don't really get in, in regular Earth 616. Um, I also like Peter having two dads named Norman and Otto. <laughs> it's, it's nice. I would my read two, that. I would read a mini about uh, about those three just My two villain dads, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like that thing with Norman Osborn also. Um, yeah, I kind of like that this was half an ultimate issue, you know, or half an ultimate comic as well. Like, And Spider- Spider-Man teaming up with them on the White House lawn was good. Yeah, this was all really engaging. This was some of my favorite. I, I mean, I, it sounded like I was down on this initially, and I am on that aspect. I think it really could be improved. But, like, overall, um, I really like this, and I think this, like, really landed in a, here's a Spider-Man story outside of the normal realm. And it, it's crazy how much, like, a different artist changes because this is still brian michael bendis but like he's a really interesting writer in that like you can still tell it's kind of a bendis story but this feels really tonally different from what he's doing he doesn't write it like ultimate spider-man for sure he doesn't i mean and and he gets bendis gets criticized for and i think he's done this more as he's gone on basically for writing everyone like spider-man like at a certain point like his avengers even his new avengers in the the earth 616 universe everybody's like everyone's quippy and everyone's spider-man and i don't love that whereas i do think you're right writing the ultimates for example um he writes with the more of a seriousness he writes with more of a well how did mark millar write them Mm -hmm. in in previous issues and kind of trying to take some of that tone i do also love here when the ultimate six show up at the white house lawn for battle royale with the ultimates like it it takes a lot for the ultimates you know they got thor they got iron man but it's still a heck of a battle i think it really highlights how strong of a character spider-man is in the Mm -hmm. ultimate universe and like the fact that he first off it's not just him versus everyone because that's that's how things go in our 616, where it's like, I can beat all six of you at once. Yeah. And it actually, if you think about it too much, diminishes the stakes of him fighting them one-on-one. You know. Yeah, Whereas sure. here, the approach is, this is hard as heck, all of them, for the Ultimates. Yeah. So when he takes on one of these guys, it's a big deal, right? It's showing what, what he can do a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I like I like that Sandman gave Iron Man a run for his money. All that stuff, all that stuff was fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was really impressed with this, and like especially like Bendis, Bendis being adapt, being able to adapt to this or work in a, a slightly different style really worked for me. Yeah, and things uh, I think things kind of come to a close, uh, kind of like you'd expect, where Harry Osborn does show up. There's a brief moment of recognition from Gigi, but then uh, I think Wasp like zaps him kind of right as he's maybe you know hulking down and uh and then he goes and gets beat up again and they all I think it's basically Spider-Man. do they all wind up Spider-Man. back in the same prison is that actually how we ended here yeah and we end up with like green goblin going into like i think cryostasis they're like preserving him and someone's yeah. like why don't you just kill him i guess <laughs> you know extra judiciously oh. execute him and they're like wow we got yeah there's a lot of that got- we still got uh, experiments to do on his dna and I, it's like i feel like cap has a lot of lines too where he's just like just put them down um, which yeah. is is interesting to see that being Captain America's view, uh, because they again really lean into yeah he's a soldier uh, he's not he's not messing around here. Um, the other thing I did want to point out is when the Ultimate Six break out of their prison, there's a lot of 
shield agents yelling, "Oh, Magneto's here! The power's out!" This oh, I love good. that. That's and great. it's it's a really nice touch. Although I don't think we ever address. Oh, and and Banner, like all the shields in the in the background yeah, they're, are they're going. Terrified oh that, like, boy, we got Magneto and Banner here. The Hulk, oh, no. the Hulk and Magneto are gonna escape. No, and it turns out like Banner was sound asleep, and so they just tranked him like in yeah. his sleep and then the air handlers went down and they're like we almost killed magneto but i think he thinks we were just torturing him <laughs> and like so right. we just tranquilized yeah. him like um yeah but i let that is fun like world building and acknowledgement of like yeah in this world like magneto's in the basement right like yeah it's a fun little reminder what's going on and a wink to uh you know that that would be a real concern yeah no, my uh, my autobiography, which does come out later this year, is called Magneto's in the Basement. I did just want to, you just said the title there. So I, a little plug. Is that a euphemism? Uh, you can find that over at comicbookherald.com. You're it's having, you're having Magneto in the Basement? I mean, when I, I would just say, when you when I think of myself, I think Magneto's in the Basement. Um, just, all right. The fact that you're calling it that means you're not ready. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, so that brings us back to Ultimate Spider-Man proper. For issues 47 through 52, this is a big uh, Kingpin returns, and we get the debut of the Black Cat story. Ooh. Oh, we get this... the tablet. Oh, we get so much good tablet action here. God, now, I one remember thing that you I was being like... a huge fan I mean, of it, the tablet. There's one thing in of... 616 I was just like, please, God, please bring this over to the Ultimate yes. Universe. It was like, yes. I need everyone obsessing about that tablet. Stat. <laughs> Well, and we we've always said when Kingpin sees a tablet he likes, nobody gets in his way, right? Nobody no. gets in his no, you're, way you're of a kidding. good tablet, and uh, that has only increased as tablets have be, have taken on a new permanence in uh, in the daily lives of comic book readers everywhere. But yeah, so this is the one thing that forty seven through fifty two or fifty three, I guess we should say, mm-hmm. um, that it does strongly. Benison Bagley here focused on is the Kingpin, the Daredevil Kingpin is Spider Man's. Like, the, yes, the Ultimate yes. Universe version of these, they say, okay, Daredevil Kingpin, he gets busted by Spider-Man. He has to go away for a while. His wife is is sick, in this case, Vanessa mm-hmm. Fisk. Yeah. And uh, everything he's doing upon his return, upon trying to discredit Spider-Man, all these things, we're doing Daredevil Born Again, but we're doing it with Spider-Man, right? Um, so Daredevil loses all of this by virtue of basically not being in the Ultimate Universe, just being a supporting player. Um, and Spider-Man gets that kingpin it's a good it's good for ultimate Mm spider-man i don't know that it's great for the ultimate universe necessarily um to kind of not have that focus uh that said these issues are pretty good they do a good job of all of spider-man's life falling apart you know like Mm -hmm. everything about peter parker's life gets dismantled um he's he can't be spider-man anymore because we bring good old sam bullet into the scene from Earth Six One Six, the uh, the deeply conservative politician who's running on a uh, anti Spider Man platform. Yeah, he's not running on this like you know kind of semi. He's law and order, white supremacist kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. He's you know he's definitely kind of a uh, we're gonna crack down on the the drugs and the immigrants and the etc. Like clearly a racist. Um, in this, he's just more of a corrupt because he's like he's the district attorney and he's in. Um, kingpin's pocket and that's like about the kingpin's guy he's the kingpin's guy and he's kind of he's he's a bonehead right he's just kind of a brute he doesn't really have jjj is drooling over him because the fact that like you know he's running on an anti-spider-man platform means that he falls for it immediately and i like the harshest lights shined on jay jonah right he's definitely because of what he's doing here which is saying i'm so 
obsessed with anti-Spider-Man that I'm going to endorse this corrupt guy. He threatens Ben Urich during an interview, like mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. And so Ben is telling him, Jonah, this guy, Robbie, uh, Robbie Robertson is saying, Jonah, this and, guy. And JJJ and Jonah's is just doubling like, down. well, what, you shouldn't have questioned him so hard, right? Like, don't question him about, you know, like he is knowing, so com- knowing that that's BS, right? And yeah. Robbie comes oh, right. on it. He's so compromised, right? By like his hate of yes. Spider-Man. It's good. And For it really sure. Peter Parker that, also like, calls him on this, which again, like stepping out of line for your little uh your office intern but jay jonah is like who are you you're fired i think he literally um, which says, is like, who are you why are you talking to me <laughs> yeah for sure which, for sure like, yeah. yeah and uh and so peter loses his job um there's obviously some always just some sort of romantic stuff going on with mj her dad he yells at is, his teacher uh, he gets suspended i i like oh yeah after he gets suspended um aunt may comes to see him and you know it's like what's going on and peter peter's just angry at the world because he's just like He's angry at the the system that allowed Kingpin to return specifically, mm-hmm. and and his teacher is giving this BS of like, well, it's a great system and we have to trust it, and like he does a lot of good for the city, blah blah blah. Um, I don't know. Never have I sided more with Peter Parker so far in the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> yeah, right. <sure. laughs> well, I mean, like, clearly, yeah, right? BS. Like, I I mean, I uh, no, yes. but it's it's no, so I, believable because his argument is we we all watched Kingpin kill a guy on tape, and how many examples like that? Do we have in the current discourse? I know it's not drawing modern parallels to those things, right? Or it's not about, knowing <laughs> everyone. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's so, so many examples, so many yeah. situations yeah, now yeah. of what I saw this thing with my own eyes, and you're telling me this person is not going to be held accountable. That's the fury that Peter's having, specifically about a Spider-Man Kingpin relationship. But you yeah. can extend that metaphor in in a whole number of ways if you want to. And I. I I fully buy into it. Peter's got yeah, a point. No, it's, it's good. It's I mean, complete nonsense. his his anger at like finding out that the world is unfair is very believable to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, like the, sure. I'm I'm growing up to learn enough that like, oh, the uh, the story I was told like bad guys go to prison and good guys win and you know the police and the judges are incorruptible and like the system works like it's supposed to is you know clearly a lie. Um, well, and the the part where Peter really crosses a line is when he's yelling at his teacher but something to the extent of like when did you give up when did you as a person when you were 30 when does that happen like yeah when you, it's like when yeah. did you give up fighting for what's right which uh, again like hard truth hard truth to hear mm-hmm. even now for so many people God, um, can myself you included i'm sorry i just pictured if uh if this was coming out in 2020 like sure. if Brian Michael Bendis was writing Ultimate Spider-Man 2020 in this conversation, like what do you, what do you put the odds at that he would have ended that conversation with Peter like turning his head and going, "Okay, boomer." Uh, not great because it would have been Miles and it would have been about uh, a racist killing. And I think it would have I'm just saying that that feels like the most uh, Bendis like this is what the kids are saying. I'm going to I'm going to integrate that in. That that line would 100% be in this comic. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um so anyway, everything in Peter's life is is going down again mj's got problems because her yeah the dad mj is stuff jerk, let's talk about that because that actually may be abusive we don't i don't know that we know 100 percent, but he's definitely like a cheater and very very angry i, I mean he's I, incredibly controlling of mj to i'd say to an abusive level right like he's reading her diary he's like you're not when i say maybe an abuser i guess i mean physically i'm yes I'm yes not sure exactly that. and that actually brings i aunt may has a couple of really good moments here i love yes. the moment where um like mary j's um mary jane's father comes over and is like yelling at her and you know like i found your diary i found out you were in trouble on this bridge like you almost fell off a bridge and i almost died what's this about i don't want you to be with this boy anymore screaming at her and aunt may like kicks him out of the house mary jane and peter's like is he gonna hurt her like i'm worried that you know 
right. this is going to escalate. And I love Aunt, Aunt May's responses, like telling Gwen, like, get your coat, put on your shoes. We're going to walk quietly past their house and like, listen, make sure nothing's happening. Like, we're yeah. gonna, you know, make sure that nothing's happening here, which is just very much like, I, I love that from Aunt May, like a real moment of like small heroism from somebody of just like, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, let's not just sit back and let this happen. Let's like, you know, I, we, I we like Ultimate Aunt May a lot. Yeah, uh, I like her development. Good. I like every time we get to see a little bit more of her. Um, it gives her enough I, focus, I yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and it's a good fit here. So all that's happening. Enter the Black Cat as a new uh, supporting character. A big new introduction for Ultimate Spider-Man number 50. And uh, it's the Black Cat story that you know, if you know Earth 616, right? Boring, like, she's yeah. breaking in. She wants to steal stuff from Kingpin. She wants revenge. She wants Kingpin to pay. And uh, in Spider-Man, when he encounters her, you know, running on rooftops, he gets to... So his eyeballs pop out of his head. Two things that happen. One, his eyeballs pop out of his head like a cartoon. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, And it's... Bendis is writing the 15-year-old Peter Parker. So I do have to give, like, some leeway for his his adolescent reactions because they're supposed to be adolescent reactions. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not as bad as when he met Electra and literally asked her and I quote why are you dressing like a like a slut you know I, I remember that lately, I was like I'm quoting it. didn't he call her a slut or was it was it that bad I was like it couldn't have been that because they meet here and I was like I, they met yeah. right it couldn't have been that he couldn't have said that right and then I was like I think it was God no he actually did there's nothing quite that bad here I, I don't think in the dialogue no, no. I mean I, the again, worst I'm... thing he sees is like Black Cat and Electra are fighting Electra gets hired by uh, Kingpin more or less um to go retrieve this tablet from Black Cat. Electra shows yes. up, they're fighting, and I think, you know, uh, Peter Parker says... There's a, ca- there's a one-page cat, cat fight joke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which, I mean, page. you know, I get, you could chalk that up to, like, it's literally Black Cat, you know, you know whatever. Um, I mean, at Well, least... it's it's watching, like, the clothes tear a little, and Peter going, I should probably do something, but not yeah. actually doing anything. Yeah. Um, yeah it's yeah. a gag. I get it. Uh, Black Cat, I do have to say, when Mark Bagley introduces her and her low-cut boobs hanging out costume which is the black cat's costume very mm-hmm. much like the art is awful the anatomy and just like the porn star boobs smushed together like it's Hate just it. so yeah. Yeah, it's so badly uh constructed that it's like there's nothing it's like i how do i describe this it's like an idea of sexy that without ever actually that's, feeling that's the thing is like horny. i'm kind of pretty into black cat and like her whole vibe like the white hair many the, men are it's, the costume it's okay. like that it's a good yeah. costume right like i i'm not like embarrassed to be like yeah that's a pretty sexy design on that and hang on i just said many men are many people are let me let me clarify Ooh, yeah, right good, black cat is good, supposed to good be good correction um but yeah no like but this is not sexy right because it's like oh uh that is not how human beings look generally you know like that that's yeah. some kind of weird juvenile i mean the thing is it's just so silly and it's just like it is the most like uh lazy way to say like this is sexy also right well, i mean and that, that's the other part it is right ridiculously it is like, like oh what's sexy is... uh giant porn star boobs i guess that are yep. like smushed together on a frame maybe as wide as a as, you know, as a the beanstalk. boobs right like yeah <laughs> her, her yeah. boobs are you know maybe uh 50 you know larger than her waistline right yeah and i think that's i think that's kind of what i was getting at when you were you talked i think it was last time we recorded about the kind of like scantily clad young MJ and kind of the creepiness of that um, in some of those scenes. And I'm just like, the art is so not sexy that I never even get those vibes. You yeah. know, I never even get, I, I don't know. I just like don't even pick up on it because the, his, his 
depictions of female anatomy are so I I don't know like they just don't <laughs> they don't do anything for me Zach <laughs> I know I like <laughs> your are... defense of like this is not uh, this isn't this I, I don't even I don't even it's not see porn sexy. because it's not good porn Zach yeah, yeah exactly it's, <laughs> I, it, it's a weird argument to be making yeah. but this this image in particular struck out to me because I was just like it just it just seems like really bad design well you know what like the thing is for me I was just like well this is eye rolly but this is kind of the stock standard for me yeah, you know and this sure. is kind of just like yeah this is the uh, this is that little bit of like you know poison you have to swallow if you want to read superhero comics it is it's just like it's baked into it I think it's a compromise that everyone has to decide if they want to make uh, with this stuff this stuff that like yeah. The stuff that irks me on an extra level is when it's teenagers. That's the stuff that really like pushes. Well, over and Black Cat is me. supposed to be young here. Like, is she? I, I don't get that. There's she, that I didn't aspect. Know she was... I don't remember right, well, exactly what the age would be. Yeah, but I do think she's supposed to be young. Um, I mean, so if she's not literally 16, it's not as bad to me as like MJ, right? That's the as stuff MJ, that, right? And I mean, we're gonna get that. Kitty Pride gets hypersexualized. A bunch of the like X23. I've seen. You know, sometimes Marvel. Yeah. Puts up I mean, if you're a female character in Marvel in in the 2000s uh yeah, this happens like that's yeah yeah it's something seems. not to not to say this happens and there's nothing wrong with that like that's not what i'm saying but it's it's 100 no i mean I, you know, I, th- I think everyone is kind of aware you just have to I, it's funny because the last of us 2 is having this big discourse don't tell me Q- i don't want spoilers for this game i'm gonna play it there's a I woman e- i don't want to know anything about it there's a woman about. in it with a uh ah, there's absolutely a woman <laughs> normal looking body that people are uh-huh. like this is crazy unrealistic. Look at that body type. She's a little muscular, and it's like I feel like everyone's brains have been so. <laughs> no, she looks. She looks kind of like a, uh, you know, like a not halfway to an MMA fighter. Apparently, like she's not a big okay. beefy boy. Like you know, the kind of like enormous, <laughs> enormous boy. muscles you see on every, literally every other character, and it's somehow this is some like you know, like oh, what about the protein requirements to pack on that kind of musculature? I don't know where she'd be getting protein in this kind of post-apocalyptic <laughs> world. Does she have access to a gym? Apparently, there is a gym literally next door to her home in the game. But, I feel uh, like I fought zombies in uh, in a gym in the first one. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I just like think it's so funny because I feel like so many people, gamers and anime people and comic people, their brains have been poisoned by being like i mean black cat that's what the women in media look like and they're presented with like a totally normal body and they're like this is this is strange and unsettling to me i don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't know how to compute this what do i do uh, with this yeah for yeah. sure um well, the so thing is like it, oh, i'm sorry no i it's just no, like, I was just gonna say body types aside black yeah. cat is black cat she, she clearly has luck based powers which are drawn up a little more uh deliberately i think oh really I didn't, issues. I didn't get she's that. a good thief you didn't notice when the gunman fell and literally shot out the security system <laughs> just no. haphazardly around her? No, I didn't pick that up as like some kind of... Oh, there of were all these things, yeah. Huh, okay. um, anyway, Spider-Man kind of has... He's kind of got these... You know, he sees her and he's attracted to her and then he's kind of like, but I'm dating MJ and should I be having thoughts? Like, he's clearly distracted even though they don't... They don't just wholly go into like any sort of affair. It's just all no, no, questioning. They don't I'm attracted to someone else. What do I do about that, right? Which is, you know, you're 15. You're thinking about these things. Um... I, there are some very sweet moments between Peter and MJ that I do want to highlight, like talk about the good. I I really like the way that their budding romance is developed. Like the the sequence between MJ and Peter being like, let's get married and and talking yep, about like, you know, when yeah. that might happen. It's really sweet, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, that'll I, really I think works. it's nice yeah. little romance done well. I like the relationship in this book. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the big end of the story is, you know, Elektra and Kingpin want to kill. Uh, Black Cat and, you know, vicariously Peter Parker, they all kind of deduce around the same time that she is actually Felicia Hardy, the son of a former thief, uh, was it Jack Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, who worked for the Kingpin, trying to get revenge on him. Peter does 
Um, he calls it detective work. We would call it Googling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it literally is like, yeah, he just Googles, It wasn't like, hard. List of cat burglars in NYC. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> like, what? Through, who, yeah. com- who compiled this list? Yeah. Um, but anyway, they all find her, and then Felicia throws the tablet uh, that we all love into the ocean. Kingpin gets mad. He shoots well, her. He, he she falls it, off the roof. Or what does he river. do? He throws something at her. No, he throws it No, Electra, the... Electra throws a sigh at her. Oh, Electra does the, you know, the classic, like, sigh poke Electra on back, her. like, tenting yeah. your shirt in the back. And then Black Cat disappears. I like Black Cat throws that tablet into the river, and Kingpin's like... Heck of a toss. I give up. And it's like, well... Yeah, fairly retrievable, right? It, no, she throws it, like, it, it lands right next to a dock, and it's just It's like, off the dock. It's just a big go stone. Fishing. It's going to sink. Like, just send, yeah. a, send a guy down. It's definitely like three hours <laughs> later, one of those fishermen was like, oh, what's this? <laughs> My tablet. Oh, the tablet. Yeah. Um, the, uh... Um, yeah, I like I, that. I, I like that the idea of scuba gear is just completely foreign. To the I know because it doesn't like, cut can't to even being like Vanessa. I'm sorry, I failed you. <laughs> it's like it's just the river. Like, just, just dive six feet, Wilson. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah like you know, your, your head will still be above water. You know, when you reach it. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, right. the, there's a couple really funny moments here. Brian Michael Bendis got like a couple laughs out of me here. Um, I like Peter uses some Yiddish. He calls like a someone like a machina yes, or something. This is good. And uh, MJ's like, what is that? And he's like, it's Yiddish. And he's like, Yiddish? And he's like, I just picked it up. She's like, you should put it back down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that 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 like that one of those, like, those moments. Because Peter like, uses Yiddish, uh, you know, now and again in um, Inner 616, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's like the, a real classic Bronze Peter Age Parker thing. Silver yeah. Age even bit. Which is funny because that's just like clearly showing the Stan Lee roots. Because like Peter Parker is not canonically Jewish, I don't think, right? He's mm, not in the Ultimate Universe for sure. Yeah, I, I, mean, think... I think we've questioned Inner 616, but I, I don't. I, th- I think it's just. I don't a, think he is because it's really not a part of his character. I think it's just a Stan Lee holdover, you know. But um, yeah, there's that. I like that moment. Um, <laughs> I like the moment after the black cat and Electra disappear the first time he sees them. He's like up laying on the uh, the rooftop, like musing about like what he's gonna do with his life and like his whole life's falling apart. And he's like monologuing to himself. And a security yeah. guard opens the door and he's like draws a gun and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And Spider Man just goes, "Shh, I'm thinking." <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. him getting his little moments of boldness like that are pretty fun and then also he confronts kingpin about this at a like a fine restaurant he comes and sits next to him like across from him at a uh where kingpin is dining alone and mm. kind of i mean a couple dumb fat jokes but he you know basically like ribs kingpin a whole bunch and it's just like i don't understand you you're not going to get away with this forever blah 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 and he goes to leave yeah. and spider-man's like or kingpin's like did you web my feet to the floor <laughs> yeah that joke always gets me like spider-man just pulling little pranks on people i do love that he doesn't like like webbing j jonah jameson to his chair that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff like that always will get me and like yeah that that him pranking kingpin is is fantastic i there is also it's not a joke but the the sequence when he's talking to mj and he talks about like it basically could i give up being spider-man and he basically is saying like i actually don't really like it and particularly talking about like yeah i don't like fighting like i don't like hitting people and just, it, it's no good, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like actually addressing the violence part of this from this kid who never would have, it, first off, was like getting bullied, right? Didn't have the, the capacity to fight anyone. The idea that like fighting just would come natural to a superhero, I like calling that into question and just sort of being like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense that like he should be a big punchy guy. Like that's yeah, not sure. his makeup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so th- th- these are good. Again, I think like Ultimate Spider-Man is either you're you're loving it um, you sort of respect it, uh, or or you've been out on it for some time at this point. Like we're pretty deep into the run, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it has not now. changed that much. It's it's about as good as it ever was, which is pretty good. Yeah. 
Uh, so, all right, that's going to bring us to the final story on on this uh, episode, which is Ultimate Fantastic Four number seven to twelve. Uh, this is written by Warren Ellis, art by Stuart Imonen, inks by Wade von Grabager, colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Chris Eliopoulos. Right up front, we have to address. We are recording this in late June 2020. It's about one week after allegations have been made against Warren Ellis uh, for sexual harassment in the comics industry dating mm-hmm. back uh, a long number of years. And our our main thing we want to say here is uh, we believe all the women that are coming forward and have accused Ellis of this behavior. We think it is reprehensible. And uh, I personally definitely feel very, very uncomfortable even talking about a Warren Ellis comic at this point in time. So we are not going to celebrate the man's work. We are not going to, uh, we are not really going to talk about his legacy. We are going to say that uh, he has been accused of these terrible things. And I would call attention to that and recommend people read and respect um, the abuses he has perpetrated in order to better understand some of the toxicity in, in the comic industry. Cause he is the, I would say highest profile example I've seen in, yeah. uh, in oh, comics. And his response of like, I had no idea, you know, I don't view myself as a big name. And it's like, I'm pretty sure when people say like top 10, you know, modern comic writers, Warren Ellis is regularly in that list. The idea that he's just, yeah. That's he, he was on mine. He was 100% on mine. I, I mean, that, I that's pretend he absurd was for him not to think that he has any sweat. I mean, I, I actually said in the Slack, I was like, I think I put more thought into my role as Slack moderator than he did in his <laughs> role. <laughs> Genuinely, like, I've thought a lot about, yeah. like, what, what are my responsibilities is, like, the power dynamic between me and the people who join the Slack. And I was like, from his response, it feels like he uh, he put less thought into being a, you know, one of the biggest names in comics than I did. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, that, it was pretty, pretty patently absurd on that front. I mean, there's something, like, I don't know, perversely funny about the fact that, like, we just read on my marvelous year the most, like... Are, can cops be corrupt? <laughs> oh my gosh, and like, yeah. And race-baiting yeah. stuff, uh, just as the Black Lives protests were kicking off, and then literally, like, two weeks after the Warren Ellis stuff, we're like, alright, Warren Ellis' introduction into, you know, our podcast. Uh, we're having some bad luck for this, uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it bad luck. I would just call it uh, the kind of gross realities of the comic yeah. book industry, yeah. you know? And obviously the timing is is wild i guess yes, just in terms yes, of the yes. coincidence of our own little small project but uh but yeah i mean there's some there's some gross stuff so we want to call attention to that and again like if it's something you're unfamiliar with i recommend looking into it i think for the purposes of this conversation uh we will talk about what happens in these comics and and what happens for the characters and kind of the continuity of the world uh and maybe we'll talk about some of the other creators because like Stuart diamond is an incredible uh comic book artist who has a mm-hmm. long and celebrated career uh, but, you know, that's that's where our focus will be. So yeah. and if you're definitely, I think, you know, one thing we we're talking about for the episode, if you're of the mindset that you're like, I can't read books by this person yeah, uh, for anymore, sure. yeah, yeah. fair. And you know what? I think it's we're going to talk about. You're not missing much. You're not yeah, missing yeah, much. Yeah. These no, are I, I totally very good. Like, yeah. No, no. You know, of course, no, uh, no judgment. If you're just like, this is not for me right now. Like, I can't take this and I don't want to, you know, be part of this. So, like, totally, yeah, totally understandable. Fair. Everybody's got to make totally that. Fair. You know what? You know what themselves. bothers me about these issues, Bef- like just you know, like just the story level is. Yeah. I love Doctor Doom. Obviously, well documented. My mm-hmm. marvelous year. We've talked a lot about Doctor Doom. Is my favorite villain of all time. Full sure. stop. Not just comics. Not just what it right. Just full stop. Um, the ultimate Doctor Doom does makes the same mistake. Oh, you mean Doctor Dam? Doctor Dam. The ultimate Doctor Van Dam. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, makes the same mistake that both Fantastic Four movies that have used the character makes, which is saying, hey, we need to change the formula. Yeah, We need yeah, to yeah. change the formula and add things and change things. And listen, I know in the Ultimate Universe, like, one, like some of the, the push and pull of this is what change is good and what change are you willing to allow and accept? Because the whole idea is it's a different take. It's a modern take on characters, right? Mm-hmm. So with the Fantastic Four in general, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to do these as younger kid, like teenagers and young adults, right? And is that a good decision, right? We can criticize it on that level, but I don't want to criticize it on the don't change things. I love the Fantastic Four level mm-hmm. because that's what Earth 616 is for, right? Yes. It's a bad argument to start from that level. With Doctor Doom... I don't want to make the argument again, like, don't change anything. It can't possibly be changed. I will say the elements of, like, tying his family tree to Dracula. Sure. Uh, excuse me? Sure. But really? Because I was just like, <laughs> I literally have no idea what this adds, except, like... No, is- no, no. Not not that it's without criticism. Just as, like, if that's an idea you want to try to explore in the context of the Ultimate Universe, by all means. Okay. But, again, it's doing this thing where it's like, we have to add that. And there's some perceived value there we have to add him growing up with a uh a royal brutal father right Which and is there's so some weird because it's value like the, add there the original dr doom is you know like the whole point is that he's not royalty he comes into this royalty right he like uh-huh. i, I kind of like the idea that that you know is a slightly uncomfortable fit for him <laughs> right like it's like the royalty of his own he's like his self-assurance and arrogance demands royalty but they come as from... opposed to this being a birthright which exactly is what yeah which is, is so much more interesting that like he is arrogant i mean he's a like a romani like he's part of like a traveling romani group right like they are poor who are victimized and and he suffers at right exactly yeah. so like so he like... sees and again it like auto generates sort of this empathy that you do feel for this villain because his like you know his mom is killed and like how um, how much people. how interesting is it to be like he's arrogant because he's rich and royal versus like he's arrogant because he thinks he's the best and he like is close yeah. to being the best right like he has this like heightened sense right. of arrogance that he brought himself he wrote he dragged himself up to these heights and he's like so arrogant about it. yeah yeah also but just then the van other thing Damme, the other so thing that all oh, just go call ahead. him Van Doom I hate that <laughs> you already said that you I know I just hate that it. point <laughs> <laughs> the other thing this does is it says you know what else we got to change is he can't be wearing armor, right? He can't he can't put on his amazing Doctor Doom costume. Uh-huh. It has to be warping him like a metal goat-legged man because, because that's like what Dracula happened to him when he went through the end zone. Dracula's like an old Roman name for like of the devil or something, so they want to draw, you know, he's got the goat hoofs like Lucifer or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I like... You know what the thing is? Is like it's cheap. Even... Let, let me just let me finish that. Yeah, thought. Please, actually, please. I know it took too long to do it. No, it's okay. <laughs> in, but it, in in the Ultimate Universe, the mistake that I see, which they do in the movies, is saying we're going to change these elements. Which is like, all right, that's your right, but we're going to do it, and we're going to miss the core. We're going to miss the core of what makes Doctor Doom so stinking cool, and that is the part that becomes sort of irredeemable to me. Okay, what were you going to say? Yeah, it's it's it does miss the core for sure, and then also the changes. I don't know why. I don't understand why he has to be all. Because I'm not actually opposed to the idea. You know, I I'm like okay, like his body is now metal. 
what does that bring? What are you doing with that? Why? Mm-hmm. Is it just mm-hmm. a cool detail? Is it just like, <laughs> what if this time he's metal? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like yeah. this time well, he's and then it's like, metal. Well, so what are we doing about all of his vanity? Um, like or issues the f- and the fact that he's horribly right. scarred and that that has this enormous impact on his psyche is that I mean, you could do that the, still like, apply? He still wants to get back to being human, but I don't think so because he kind of loves the power of being. Like he he seems like to he seems into fall it. in love with it. Yeah, yeah. My also my bigger problem, and I like Stuart Eminem's work here overall. I really hate the design of him. I think he looks dumb. Like I like his top half fine. Oh, I don't but like I don't... his. I, don't I actually like kind of. I like the hooves fine, actually, and I don't like his <laughs> face at all. I think his face yeah. looks really ridiculous. Like, I don't think he looks cool or threatening the way that like classic Doom does. He looks kind of no. kind of silly to me. Okay, I mean that's just a aesthetic thing. So yeah, the, sure. The, the other thing about these issues, talking about the writing, it, this is kind of useful for our purposes. Um, this feels kind of anonymously written to me. Like, it's not bad. I don't think this is bad writing. Uh, I don't think it's good either. It doesn't. It feels like it is both playing in the realm of like Bendis and Bagley's work not Bendis Bendis and Miller's work who wrote who co-wrote the first six issues exactly but it feels like very watered down versions of both where this feels like it doesn't have any kind of uh like unique personality to it like that that's kind of I mean I I think the thing that that this this arc leans into more than the first is is the science the the merger of science and technology that has actually occurred with the team, right? So we're following up on at the end of the first arc, you know, the Fantastic Four go through the end zone, they get their powers, something because something went wrong in the experiment. We blame Van Dam, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's you know proven here that of course he tinkered with Reed's calculations. There is this interesting thing I, I do think, and we talked about this the first time of Reed's just absolute assurance that he did everything right. I do um, like I do that Reed is pretty arrogant as well. Like yes, in a like way he's that, arrogant, and it's yeah. it's a bad look. Um, yes, but yes. but we talk a lot about like the in like the specifics of hey reed has no internal organs because how would that work and yeah, does ben cool. poop i like yeah, that ben detail poops. actually I, I don't know why <laughs> you know, like there's nothing like that. to that except like things are weird now but like the uh the missing organs thing is kind of fun um i like well Sue it Storm. is with reed it's almost like oh he's like barely human now that's interesting actually like what yeah. does that make him how does that yeah, work yeah. I, those elements to me are kind of fun to explore um yeah. even if i don't want it to all, you know be all about that i suppose i i like i like the things design here a lot his arms yeah are like thing looks as, good his arms are as big as his torso <laughs> which is great sometimes like he gets drawn where like he just looks like a starfish like all parts are equally sized you know like <laughs> yeah. every limb is just one big column coming out of him but it really works for me i like his design yeah uh Johnny Storm looks fine. Yeah, Stuart Eminem's art, I think, I really love his art. And specifically, I do want to call out Wade Wade Von Grawbadger. Sweet name. That's a name, yeah. Um, Sweet name. Really good inking. I really love the coloring here. I think, like, it's really... They're they're a really good team together. Did they work together a lot? uh, Yeah, they they seem, like, really simpatico because it just pops. Like, it's just the right amount of inking for this. Really simple line drawings that, like, the colors Mm -hmm. really pop out of. Um, Yeah, this looks great. Although I will say, and this might be Ellis not giving them enough to work with, I feel like there's a little bit of a lack of spark in the artwork. Like, it's, like, really good, solid work for what it's doing, but, like, it's not popping, like, creatively, if that makes sense. You know, like, I I don't feel like there were many images here where I was like, wow, this is a, you know, a big showstopper moment. It's very quiet, and it's very, like... Like good solid work that I like the the design of. That's kind of like, you know, that's you know kind of I mean? the Ultimate Universe's mo, you know. Uh, except for like it's Hitch, very right? functional artwork. 
Except, oh, Hitch, you're right. Yeah. So yeah. aside from Hitch on Ultimates. No, Kubert, too, because I think Kubert is just bringing, like, On X-Men? Yeah. Like, Kubert's yeah. work pops to me in, like, there's just a lot going on, and, like, this is creatively just, like, he is just jamming in so much detail. I would say with, like, this is kind of on I guess I'm thinking Bagley. more Bagley. Yeah. Bagley this is doesn't very much do in line with Bagley, except splashy. that I really like the aesthetic here. <laughs> and yeah. I only sometimes yeah, like right. the aesthetic with Bagley. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I hear that. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a very good looking comic, but again, it's very functional. Um, mm-hmm. I I yeah. do think like I think you can skip you can skip entire pages, you can skip entire issues mm-hmm. of this story. Like you can go from like seven to ten to twelve, and you got it. Like you're just not missing things, yeah. and that to me is a flaw of the development of the pacing of what we're actually like. The story here is so simple. It's the Fantastic yeah. Four are trying to find they're trying to figure out what happened to their bodies and they're trying to find Dr. Doom. They find him, he's in Denmark, he's starting uh, New Amsterdam to take a wire euphemism, <laughs> right? <laughs> or not a euphemism, a, a wire term and uh, he's starting his own country. He's mind controlling all those people uh, while he's doing that by giving them very cool dragon tattoos. I do have to say. I, I would get know, one of those even giving... if I knew it meant giving up uh autonomy. I mean that was one of those things where it was oh my god. Well, that <laughs> was one of those things where I was like, "Why why is he giving dragon tattoos this feels very aesthetically like did you see the dragon tattoos though i didn't i did not they're really cool cool. oh my (laughs) god i'm looking i'm looking at the over our skype call dave has tattooed a blue dragon on his neck hang on let me show you uh all right i'm sold it's pretty good here this is a (laughs) oh my god it extends it's it's like full-on yakuza tattoos it is covering his entire (laughs) torso yeah that is uh, you don't want to know where my tats on uh on my tattoo year um which debuting on youtube soon but anyway uh yeah like i just the decompression of this is like issues issues just end they don't end on cliffhangers they just end and it's clearly like i wouldn't the mind next if... panel of the next issue it's yeah. it's a it's an approach like to storytelling that has a purpose but here it reads so much better in trade than than it would issue by issue i think for sure and again i just think like you can skip a ton of this i like the like i i kind of I mean, that's something I like in superhero comics a lot, generally, is the kind of yeah. hangout vibe of just, like, working in the lab, and we don't need, like, you know... Do you like hanging out with these characters, though? No, that's what I'm saying. I don't think this works, because yeah. it's not particularly interesting. Like, there's moments. There's moments at work. I like. I kind of like the testing of powers. All that stuff is okay. What I don't like um, is that the clear, to me, the very clear and uh, just, yeah, really obvious... Power fantasy of like Reed's kind of a, a annoying doofus uh, nerd, and Sue Storm is uh-huh. just like Reed, make out with me. I'm a hot girl, please. I can't wait to make out with you at all <laughs> moments. Like, and you're getting so yeah. good at making out, Reed. And it's like, are we looking at the same person here? Because like, yeah, Sue and I like Sue Storm. She's getting cooler here. I felt like she did, she got short shrift in the first arc by Miller. Well, um, and I do like that her intelligence level as the is is of an equal biologist and superior yeah. right it, it has a very specific very natural integrated role um which is good that, yeah. is, that is a good I, thing I like for the I like her role as like the biologist I like uh that her powers are like oh she's cool and badass and powerful in a fight like all that is fun and works for me we don't have well, to wait years of silver age to figure out how to use right. sue you exactly. know that's a good thing yeah because that's already been figured out but no like it is it is a pretty near constant thing that she's just like reed you're gonna let me run this test on you or i'm not gonna make out with you anymore because we make out a lot and like you're just a nerd though but i love making out with you and it feels like the most obvious like oh team huh. boys are gonna love this yeah uh, yeah yeah i could say that for sure 
And um, also, don't, so, I don't buy it like I do MJ and Peter, right? Where I'm just like, oh, I get this relationship and I'm rooting for it. With them, I'm just kind of like, this feels forced by like someone gave uh, Sue a love potion, you know, plot wise. Yeah, and uh, right. there's nothing. I, I've never, even in the first arc, I was like, I don't see where their spark that's is. A, that's a really good, uh, that's really interesting because the you take the assumption, like, oh, Reed and Sue get together because yeah. that's just, that's what comics do. But actually, it's like, well, actually, we're in the Ultimate Universe. It's new and you're modernizing actually, this. You have to sell that. Well, you have actually, to sell that. To, to be fair, Again. have they ever sold that in the, <laughs> the mainline universe either? No, it's it's, but it just starts that way, right? They're already yeah. together. So, it's yeah, t- yeah. but here we actually saw them come together, right? And I feel like because you build it that way, you should sell it, and they don't. It yeah. just happens because, well, it was destined to happen. And I mean, well, I get why Reed would be. So she Sue. must uh, fall for somebody, right? Yeah, like Reed being into Sue makes sense to me. Vice versa. Yes, yeah, sure. Know. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, so I I'm not. Again, like I think I said up front, like Fanta- Ultimate Fantastic Four is never super exciting to me. Um, these issues I find particularly disappointing because I love Doctor Doom, and Ultimate Doctor Doom immediately takes a backseat to like every other big villain we've seen in the Ultimate Universe. Like he's not as cool as Magneto by by miles. Mm-hmm. You know, like I there's know. just yeah. I feel like he's here and here's the story, and he's already we're saying yeah he's never going to be as cool in this universe as basically all the villains we've already established which sucks it just feels like a waste you know it does and uh i mean you know here's the thing though about ultimate fantastic four just wait until greg land gets here because he's gonna come and save us all when is that greg land no no i know who he is when is that Oh, uh, like 21, something like that. We're going to get some Jai Lee, uh, which I'm psyched for. I yeah, love Yeah, because the Jai next Lee's arc is, uh, is Adam Kubert doing Fantastic and, Four. And not to be too down, there's a bunch of stuff that happens in Ultimate Fantastic Four that I remember really liking. Like, there's some stuff here uh, that is a lot of fun. Well, Mark Miller is going to come back and do some some somewhat interesting stuff. So, yes, yeah, anyway, he's... we're going to keep reading it, obviously. Yeah. But I, I do think, you know, there's... Uh, I don't know. There's not much to this arc for me, and obviously, like this now talking about these comics is just fraught with like really conflicted feelings towards not conflicted actually I shouldn't say, but like unconflicted feelings towards Warren Ellis. Yeah, leading to <laughs> a conflicted feeling of like, should I even be looking at this comic? Well, I don't right know. Now? You know, you know, for, and, you know, which no, we don't we don't need to dive down that rabbit hole again. Yeah, I'm no, saying, no shade on people who like can't separate that. It's really easy for me to separate stuff like that. You know, like yeah musicians who are scumbags uh you know movie people whatever like all right it's pretty easy for me to like separate those things out that doesn't mean i want to support those people but like um it's very easy so like i you know i still went into this being like cool i like fantastic four i'm excited to see more of it and uh yeah it just kind of didn't land for me and i I don't think it had anything to do with the news about ls you know tainting that because like i mean i think both of us be lying if we didn't say like some of his comics like are stuff that we've really enjoyed obviously right i think oh yeah, yeah. no i can't, really. can't so, like, otherwise yeah um so all right so next time on my ultimate year we're gonna be yeah. on ultimate year part nine we're gonna talk ultimate x-men 34 to 39 ultimate adventures hell one yeah to six and ultimate spider-man <laughs> do you know a big old chunk ultimate i i couldn't even tell you what ultimate adventures is i don't remember okay so ultimate adventures i have a like, very vague guess Ultimate Adventures is the only time in the Ultimate Universe. I, you probably know this. Just forgot. It's the only <laughs> time in the Ultimate Universe where they're like, "Hey, let's launch someone new in the Ultimate yeah. Universe, brand new." Yeah. Right. Besides Miles Morales comes in later, but that's you know a new Spider-Man. This is a like a Hawk, totally new concept. Hawk Owl, and he's got a sidekick. I can't remember what his name is, and it's like kind of trying to do a hopefully Batman. Dovetail. <laughs> Would that be good? Hawk, Hawk Owl and Dovetail, something like that. I just Google Hawk Owl Hawk. and Dovebird. Yeah, I, 
I, yeah, I don't, sure I don't remember. I think it is a notoriously bad comic. That is my cultural uh, concept of it, but we'll see. You know what and that reminds me of is uh, we skipped over this detail, but when Kraven the Hunter is running away from the Ultimates, they mm-hmm. just let him run for a while, and then Hawkeye pulls out his bow and arrow and is like, what? watch this, left calf, calls his shot, and then pierces <laughs> Kraven's calf with an arrow. It's a yeah. wild moment. Yeah, I like because there's a run there where like Captain America's trying to get Thor to do stuff. And he's like, Thor, will you get him? And he, Thor just goes, no. Which is good. <laughs> and Which refuses to be good. part of it. I, I wish actually Thor had been more, just back to this for a second, Thor seems like he would have been the voice of all of the stuff I was complaining about. Because he yes. clearly is just like, America can't be, you know, the world's policeman. And like, he's very anti-imperialist and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it would have made sense for him to be the mouthpiece of a lot of this this stuff. But besides a few times, him just refusing to follow orders by standing there with his arms crossed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's next time. All new Ultimate Adventures. This should yes, be yes, fun. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, music for my Ultimate Year is from By Divine Right. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald, comicbookherald.com, pretty much anywhere online. You can find Zach running the At My Marvelous Year socials. And again, support for the show is brought to you by patreon.com slash Year. We do have an ultimate year uh, exclusive feed. So if you could consider rating and reviewing My Ultimate Year on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Anything else you want to share? I think that's it. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next ultimate time. I'll ultimately, ultimately see you. I'm gonna ultimate, <laughs> ultimately, I will see all of you. We should, we should end the episode like mid a, sentence on a transition, like you, you trying to come up with one, but just end it like right in the middle of that. Listen here, people. Oh my gosh, you're thinking so gonna... hard. I can see the thoughts <laughs> coming out of your head. You're thinking so hard. Yeah, I like that we don't have an ending for this episode. Let's keep it that way. Bye. I got issues. I got issues.